Hello, 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 and welcome back to The RevOps Show. We're in part three of our series on what to expect when you're expecting a CRM implementation. We are adding one more part to the end of this series, so stay tuned for that. I know, it's a long time coming. The end is near. Today is all about the key functional areas and what they should cost. Those areas include system design and business process, configuration and build, migration, onboarding, training, and integrations. So if you haven't listened to part one or part two yet, I would highly recommend listening to those first before we get into the breakdown of these pieces and their costs. And with that, let's pick up where we left off. Jess. Doug. What's going on? It's been a while. It has. It has. We didn't record last a week. Long, a, we didn't record last week or the week before, Jess. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We didn't. Last week was Thanksgiving, and then we didn't record the week before that. <laughs> we didn't record the week before that because somebody was very stressed. Somebody was. I don't know who that, that was. I thought you always had things under control, Jess. I'm like a duck. <laughs> it's time to Hot. get things started. It's time to get things started. So, Jess, we're uh, testing out some new technology today. We are. We I are. Can, I can tell you're excited. I can tell you're excited about that. You love it when we test Super. new tech. I, I love it when we we're like we're gonna test it live while we're recording it. That's that's um that's my favorite. Wait, is there another way to test something? I think you need to go back and look at our UAT QAT episode. I think that might be beneficial for you, Doug. Well, you know how I UAT everything. I know. I know how you do. You go and you break it. Yeah, but I do do. it like in real. I don't do it. I know. I know you do it in real. I know. So are you saying that like there's this thing where you... You test something under non-live conditions? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You know, this is a foreign concept to you. I think I read about that somewhere, but I thought it was like science fiction. I thought it was like, I thought that was in the same place as the pause button that you're working on. I think you're going to make some of our customers nervous with this conversation right now. You're making me nervous just talking about this. Here's the good news. Right? What? You don't let me touch anything that we're actually doing with clients. That is that is true. That is true. I've, I so, avoid it as much as possible. So so they should feel uh, they should feel excited. So what? Where where are we? Um, we're what? T minus ten days? Less than eight days. Here's what I found. Eight days. I leave on Saturday. It's like like I leave company. on Saturday at like, like at like four a.m. We're leaving like first. I can't get out of here fast enough. This is like a Disney Hanukkah for you. It it, it is, or 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 a Disney Christmas. I mean, well, you, the eight days is what I'm referring to. Oh, the eight days. I see. Yes, yes, yes. That's eight fair. days. So Disney, you leave on Saturday. Then when are you back? Monday. Uh, Monday. Yeah. The the night the next day, like the, so, you're there for two days, or ten. You know, <laughs> ten days. You're gonna be in Disney for ten days. Nine. We'll be there for nine. nine? Holy, yes. how can you, how is that? Like, how is that possible? Like that, that is a legitimate question for this episode. How can you do Disney for nine days? My question is, how do you not? <laughs> Aren't you ready? Like, wouldn't you be done with kids for the next two years after that? No. No, my kids are exceptionally well-behaved at the parks. Yeah, but what about they everybody are. else's kids? I just ignore them. You, you, you underestimate the bubble of happiness that I am in while I'm at Disney World. So um, I'm going to send you my GoPro and have someone record. I want to see that. My, my bubble of happiness. <laughs> I want to I see you. I want to see you walking around. So are you like when I play, uh, um, when I play Boys to Men? Yeah, is that the much. level of happiness you have? It's like it's like ten days straight of Motown Philly in my head. It's pretty much it's like it. ten days of Motown Philly. Wow, wow. Do you sing "It's a Small World" every day? Do you start off with the "It's a Small World"? Why um, are you trying to start? Why are you trying to start things? <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of "It's a Small World." 
I thought that's like what the, I thought that's what the club did. Do you, do you, do you sing? Like, that's what the club does. No, I sing it- uh, Grim, Grim Grinning Ghosts at, at Haunted Mansion. See, that's, that's more my speed. And then I like Grim all the smells. Grim Grinning Ghosts. Of- I don't even know what that is. I don't even so know what it's that the, is. It's the song in Haunted Mansion. Um, do you sing the Mickey Mouse Club song? Sometimes. I'm, I'm not going to do it right now. Morning? Yes, pretty much. Mickey Mouse Roll Call. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. And then when you leave, do you do MIC? See you real soon. K-E-Y. Yep, exactly. That all plays in my head. Yes. Oh, it plays in your head, but you're not like you You don't like in the hotel no. room with the family. You don't do that as a. No, I don't do ritual. that. No, but you're doing no. more than just Disney. Well, I mean, it's all in Disney, but. But but you're doing Wars like too. the whole like you're doing the special thing that got launched like what, like a year or so ago. Yeah. Yep, we're doing Star What's that Wars, called? Yeah. The Star the, Wars experience, is that what it is? The uh, Star Cruiser. The Galactic Star, the Star Cruiser. Cruiser. The, Hal- the Halcyon. We're going to be staying on the Halcyon. And don't you get like Which a whole a thing of, of stuff that you get to like yeah. play with or something? Like, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's lightsaber training. There's droid races. There's um, We get data pads and magic bands. And Do you get to keep the data pads? The data pad is on your phone. So it's an app on your phone. Oh, you don't get. So yes, you don't get. Like yes, a, I get to keep keep the data pad. You don't have to turn in your phone. You have to turn no, phone. no. Oh, you're even wearing a Star Wars shirt today. I I am. I'm 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 preparing. I'm preparing. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Now, do, do you to get in? Do you have to recite a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? I don't think you do. Though the people I'm going with probably will. Because they're massive Star Wars fans, so my husband's going, and a friend of mine's going, and they're both huge Star Wars fans. So, so I have a, a like. What if you're a Star Trek fan? What happens then? I almost want to go in Star Trek cosplay just to see just to see what happens. I've heard they like don't acknowledge they pretend that you're invisible. They don't acknowledge that you're there at all if you show up in any kind of Star Trek gear. That's what I've heard. What if you brought like a communicator? You are, we are down a rabbit hole on this. We are spending way too much on this, much time on this. And, and you know what I know scares you? What? Man, my face is so big on this. Look at it. That's like bizarre. Um, you know that I could go the whole hour having this. I know. I know. We could, we could, we could, this, this, this is, this will be the episode. Jess goes to the one where Jess goes to Disney World. That's what this will be. The one where Jess goes to Disney World. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. So we're not talking about the Star Cruiser. We'll we'll do that next week. We can next week because then because then I'll be like just knocking on the door of it next week. I'll be leaving in less than should, twelve hours. Should I come ready with knock knock knocking on heaven's door as our yes. intro song? I think you should. I'll be disappointed if you don't. Because that's basically heaven's door for you, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Like heaven so to you is is the Magic Kingdom. It is, yeah, pretty much. So, so which, I'm sorry. Last question for today. Last question because I understand there's something else we're going to talk about. Um, which is your favorite part? Oh, so I love Epcot, but that's because I went in the '90s. As a, that's because as they a, have alcohol. As there? an Epcot, well, the, so so the the food and the drinking is my favorite ride in Epcot. Um, so the food's amazing, but also because I was a, I went in the '80s and '90s as a kid. We went every year, so. There's a certain group of like kids that went to Epcot in the late eighties, early nineties who have a love for Epcot. So that's, that's my favorite park. Alrighty. So what are we talking about today, Jess? We are on part three. (laughs) We are on part three of what should you pay for CRM implementation? What to expect when you're expecting a CRM implementation? There we go. Part three of that. Um, so where do you want to start? At the beginning. Um, I think where it we all left off. started is- on a stormy night, October 19th. I guess it started October 18th, 1967. Cause, oh, cause that's when, that's when your mom went into labor. Is that, <laughs> is that why? Um, um, anyway, so we were, we were. <laughs> The one where Jess asks about when Doug's mom went into labor. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Anna. 
Um, so we were we were on areas of costs. And yeah, so we, we we talked a little bit about about status quo last time. I think that's where we ended we did. on something. Who yep. knows? Um, so long ago. It was so long ago. Um, the 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 thing the the thing to keep in mind as you're thinking about costs, and it's really easy to get lost. Um, and I, I think we I think we started on um, part one um, with this. It's the John Ruskin quote: "It is unwise to pay too much, but it's worse to pay too little. When you pay too much, you lose a little bit of money. If you pay too little, you may lose everything." And and so one of the things that's really you know, crucial to understand is, is whatever you choose, it's, ha- it has costs associated to it. Right. And, and, and we talked a little bit about that um, in the last episode on, on the types of costs. Right. Um, so, so what, you know, when you're talking about changing CRM, the keyword in changing CRM is change. Um, and, and so one of the things you have to, you have to understand is there is a cost of changing and there's a cost of not changing. Mm-hmm. And then further, as we talked about in the strategy, and we've talked about many times in, 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 in different episodes, there is no 100% right, right? There is no every, um, every item on your wish list is going to get checked off, right? And, and, and by the way, as a side note, I mean, maybe one day we'll talk about selling technology. But, you know, as a side note, I know one of the places where I see uh, sales side get in trouble is they want to satisfy every desire. Yeah. Um, and it actually makes that harder to understand what, you know, what, what's going to be involved. But you, you've got to think about what is the trade-off that, that, that you're making so that you can understand, so, so, so that you can have a rational or as rational a uh, evaluation of cost, right? It's never going to be fully rational. It's always filled with emotion. Um, but, you know, as, as we talk about in other places, don't buy technology, hire it. What what are you looking to do this for? Um, remember, you, you're not changing the CRM to change the CRM. You're changing the CRM, or at least you should be, because there's there's a business issue. There's a, there's, you know, ultimately a result. There's a performance um, element that, that, that needs to be done. Um, and, and, and so that gets into, you know, just a really important element because, you know, one of the things that's going to happen when you do a CRM implementation, at least if you do it right, is you're going to turn invisible costs into visible costs. What do you mean by that? So, and, and just, this might scare you. Do you know in the last 18 months we've been involved in more than a hundred CRM implementations? I didn't realize that was the number. No. That's yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. And, and so, and by the way, I've been involved in more than a hundred CRM implementations because right. I'm involved yep. in the ones where they say no to us. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so there, there's, I, I would say very rarely is someone surprised to the low side when, when we look yeah. at what the cost of implementation is going to be. And, and, and the reason, and they're like, well, do we really need that? And, and of course our favorite, we look, we just want to keep it simple. We just want a simple implementation. Um, all we, all need, we is. need is right. And, and so, you know, so I, you know, a, a company I'm working with going through a very good, very considered approach to making this decision. They, they, they were talking about a hey, Doug. You know, what, one thing you need to understand is currently, you know, we're paying our current CRM vendor and, and they have an on-prem old CRM. You, mm-hmm. So they pay a maintenance fee every, every year. So we're paying right. our current CRM vendor. You know, we're only paying them $30,000. Right. This is, you know, so wherever we go, it's going to be significantly more than $30,000. And I made the comment back to them. Well, you're only writing a check for $30,000. Yep. Right. But, but all the, all the friction, all the things that we talked about, all the, you know, the underlying support, all the things that, that, that you can't do, those are all hidden costs, right? Um, you know, the latest research from CSO says um, 30% on average is the amount of time salespeople spend selling, right? That doesn't show up on a line item. Right. You know, you know th- th- think about this. If I can get you from 30% to 35% sales time, right? Mm-hmm. Basically speaking for every five salespeople you have, you just added one salesperson. Yeah. Right. So you don't see that cost. 
right? And so if we want to unlock that type of productivity, then you know you've got to get you've got to get the things set up configured correctly to be able to do that. And 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 so that that lost productivity, that added support time, that loss of functionality, those are all invisible costs. Yep. Right. And now someone's going to come in and say to configure this correctly, you've got to write a check for. Mm-hmm. Right. And then here's another thing that you have to that you have to keep in mind. You know, while while I will say that you should, you know, I actually think I came to to a specific number on here. If you have fewer than 25 salespeople, you should be launching your CRM at least two times per year. If you have 25 to 50 salespeople, you should be launching your CRM at least three times per year. And if you have 50 or more, you should be launching your CRM four times per year. Now, now those relaunches, you know, to, to understand this, what you're relaunching is it's less about relaunching your your CRM as it is about the next iteration, the next what I like to call acceleration cycle um, of your performance management of your business process management. It's the ongoing improvement of, of what you're doing and keeping your your, your 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 tech in alignment with that. So so once you go past that, you're you're it's really you know, it's across more than just the CRM. So, so if you think about it, if you're going to change CRM, how long do you expect to be um, on that CRM? Yep. And, and, and I think conservatively, you, you would look at it through the lens of if we're on it for less than five years, then we fail. And if we're on it for five years or more, then, you know, we at least got that, you know, we at least, you know, like that to me, that's, that that's the 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 minimal acceptable threshold, and I want to emphasize acceptable is, is is a part of that threshold. And I think it's fair to expect that you should probably be on it for ten years. It is mm-hmm. likely that that over a five to ten year period, even with relaunches, there's going to need to be something more than just a relaunch, just because of you know the, the nature of change, the rate of change, et cetera. But, but let's just say somewhere. So so your target is going to be. If you're going to amortize your your CRM implementation costs, your target should be, I, I you should be thinking in terms of five to seven years, and and absolutely minimum three. It's kind of like buying a house before you grow out of it. Well, and 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 so the point that I the point that I'm making here is that what you're doing is you're paying up front. Mm-hmm. There's an upfront payment for the ability to do that, right? And 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 so you're yeah. going to look at that. And I'm going to pay something up front to be able to unlock the productivity later. Cause, cause here's the, you know, the inverse friction principle, the inverse complexity principle, right? The ease or effortlessness of a user's experience has an inverse relationship to the complexity and effort of the design that went into creating that experience, right? So, so you're either going to deal with it up front or you're going to deal with it again and again and again and again in, in, in small pieces and it's going to lead to havoc, et cetera. And right. So, so you got to, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite commercials um, that no one has seen in decades. So you have to be a certain age to understand it. It's the Fram oil filter man is what the commercial was. And the Fram oil filter man said, you, so Fram, Fram made oil filters for cars, Jess. That's a car. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and there, you know, they were premium oil filters. So, you mm-hmm. know, a very commoditized thing. Why, why am I going to pay more for their, filter than somebody else. And so it was the, the Fram oil filter man was this car repair guy. And he said, look, you can pay me now. You can pay me later. Right. And so he's gotcha. in there, you know, replacing an entire engine, right. You can pay right. a few bucks more here or right. And that's, that's kind of what you're looking at. So, yep. so you really have to think about what's the cost of changing. What's the cost of not changing. You can't mm-hmm. just look at it as what's the cost of this. You have to look at what is the cost of the alternative. Yep. Yep. All right. So now let's, let's break down the different areas of cost in involved in an implementation. So first we've got um, system design and business process design. So, so let, I'll, I'll give the categories first. Um, okay. All right. So, cool. So, so there's a cost that, you know, there, there's, you're going to allocate system design, business process, um, the configuration and build of the tool yep. migration. And within migration, you've got data and assets onboarding, getting the users set up and prepared, training, which coincides with onboarding, but it's, it's different enough. Yep. Um, and then what integrations are you looking at? 
right? Are there yep. other tools that, that, that you need integrations with? Um, do you need a custom integration? Are there pre-existing other integrations that are available? Can you use just a straight middleware, iPass type thing? But but those are basically you know, like those are the key functional areas that that, that I would um, that I identify and talk about. So, um, do we want to dig into each one of these and kind of talk through? Just as you've said to me many many times, I have no authority. So you have um, no authority here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. What's involved as far as system design and business process design? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna make a bold statement. I'm gonna acknowledge that it's a self-serving statement. Okay. But I but I learned a long time ago just because it's self-serving doesn't mean it's not true. And 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 I would say the reason that it is self-serving is because it's true. And what and what I mean by that is we take the approach that we take mm-hmm. because of this. And that is your implementation and your experience with a new CRM will only be as good as the underlying system design um, and business process that drives the implementation. And and so the thing about system design and, and business process design is that first off, it is um, not directly connected to the CRM, right? And 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 so it is very intangible. It also kind of violates a little bit of what you know. What does everybody want to do? They want to jump in and execute. And and look, I yeah. get it. You're going to make a big investment in a tool. And hey, oh, let's use the, it. So it's the go. comment we get frequently when we're. I would say usually two thirds of the way through, we've had this for X amount of time, and 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 I want people in starting you know, execute. Yeah, and we get that less because we manage it better now. But well, yeah. But we yeah. get the you know, you know. So so we start everything with a road mapping, um, and we actually do business process mapping. And the number one the number one comment that we get is, "This feels really complicated." Yeah. Right and. And the point is, yeah, it is complicated because that's what's actually happening. And that's why your existing CRM isn't working. Um, you know, that's why that's why you're looking at, at, at doing something new, right? The, the prime directive is the business process must drive the technology. The technology should never dictate the business process. How do you know if your business process is clearly defined enough to, to, to drive a successful implementation? Mm-hmm. Y- you won't have to ask that question. Right. If, Why if you... you've got the clear business process, you've got clear business process, right? And yeah. by the way, if you've got clear business process that's driving your implementation, you're, you might be changing your CRM, but it's not the same thing as truly a CRM implementation. We, we, we talked about that a little bit in the first episode, right? right. And, and so system design is all about, well, system design is, and we're talking about big system, not, not technology as the system. Right. It is the structural approach. It is all of those things that that create the environment for success. Right. It's understand it, it requires tremendous business acumen. It, it it's breaking into and understand and documenting your underlying motions. And 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 so one of the reasons that it, this has never really been core to CRM implementations is that if you look at where most implementers come from, they come from a tech perspective and, and only really up until recently did, did, I mean, it used to be to do any type of CRM, you know, of complicated CRM implement, uh, implementation, your, your tech acumen needed to, um, needed to supersede everything. Right. right? Um, and, and, and so that's part of the reason why the tech always found its way into the driver's seat. So, so it gets missed, right? And, and, and it comes into the, no, no, look, we just want to, yeah, we understand we need that, but, but um, yeah. really we just need something simple, right? Well, okay, you, you, you can do that, but your, um, your experience is, is, is going to be unstable throughout right. everything. And, and, and so, you know, we're going to start small and then grow from there. And then we're going to complain that we've got an adoption problem or we've got a utilization problem. Well, of course you have an adoption or utilization problem because it's not actually 
solving for the user. Right. Right. And, and so if that's not a part of it and, and I'll acknowledge anybody that's listening, we are typically priced higher than most of the alternatives, at least that I've seen it. And, and I'll share with you, we strive for that. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not accidental. Um, when we're in a relatively fair comparison, almost all of the cost difference is, is attributable to system design. And, and what I'll share is, and by the way, it actually hurts our business a little bit in, in the post launch area, because if you've got good system design, managing the system on an ongoing basis is going to be much easier. And so, you know, could you address the need without that? Could, could you get a launch? I mean, Lord knows, especially if you're coming off of some screwed up legacy system or no system at all. Yeah, you'll get some some improvement, but then managing it and keeping it going and, and, and keeping the juice for the squeeze and, and all those things, that that becomes a very heavy experience. And and that's why the CRM ends up and, and, and the business units end up becoming dependent again on tech teams, on IT yep. teams, because there is no other thing that, that that's really driving it. And then, oh, by the way, and, and this is something, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode. The, the biggest mistake made with CRM implementation is everyone plans for day one. When what matters is day two. Yep. Right. Day one's yep. easy, relatively speaking. Day two is when shit hits the fan, right? Yeah. And things start changing and, and this happens and then there's a recession or then there's a new entrant or you launch a new product or this or that. And all those things are happening or your competitor um, raises a hundred million dollars and like all of those things are going on. And if you don't have the right system design in place, then you, you go into a major game of whack-a-mole. And then you go, I hate CRM. So, so that's a key element of it. And, and what I will share is you should probably be spending, you know, at least 30% of your implementation, at least yeah. 30%, at least, by the way, I don't care how anyone breaks it down. At least 30% of the cost, at least 30% of the implementation fee is allocated to system design. Yep. So if someone comes in and says, oh, yeah, our system design is $5,000, make, make sure you're looking at it. If they're saying that their implementation is going to be $100,000, look at them and say, are they going to be able to do at least $30,000 worth of system design and business process design? Right. Yep. And I would say as much as 50% should be allocated to system design and business process design. And, and, and by the way, if you, want to, if you want to assess the capability of that, it it is it has nothing to do with with coding. It is all about business acumen. It's the underlying business acumen and the understanding of the motions that are that are um, that are present um, that that are going to determine yep. the effectiveness of that system design. And and if the system design is bad, you're going to have a bumpy experience at best. Yeah, and I and I would say that that actually makes the next piece easier if, if that's done well, which is the configuration and the build. Yep. Yeah. So configuration and build is, is, you know, we, we go, we go through the process of what's the objective, right? Don't lose the plot. No one's, no one's, no one that works with us is implementing a CRM because they want to win the blue ribbon award for CRM implementation. And, and Oh, by the way, especially if you're talking about new implementation, understand you know, when you get to launch, you're not necessarily going to be in your, you're not going to be in Jess's Disney. See how I, see how I brought this full yeah, circle. Yeah, brought it back, brought if it you, back. If you skipped our introduction, because you're like, well, they just stopped bannering. You now understand, see, you got, it costs you something, right? You're, you're, and, and, and the reason is that if your implementation is good, you're going to understand your business better. You're yep. going to understand the key drivers of your business better. And, and what that's going to do is that's going to change how you see your current situation. You're going to be aware of gaps that you had never thought about before. You're going to be aware of possibilities you hadn't thought about before. Right. And so what you have to do is you have to map the business process to map that to the tech so that you can build that. And if you do a good 
And, and, and realize when you're launching something like this, it's built on a lot of assumptions, right? And so there are going to yeah. be mistakes, right? And so if you've got good system design, those mistakes are are managed easily. They're they're you know kind of normal tuning things in. If the design yeah. isn't clear, then you are then you move into infinite implementation mode, and you're in whack a mole and you know, you're, you're, you're a pendulum that's swinging too far every time in, in, in each direction. And so that's really where you're now looking at, you know, what, what, what's going to drive your, your implementation and build, um, how big and complex is your, um, is, is, is your platform. And that's going to be related to kind of what's your object orientation, um, modules or, you know, with our preferred tool, how many hubs are you looking at? And then how many people are going to be using it. So, so, you know, if you're um, on the areas and again, CRM tends to be um, seat based. So who are the primary seat motion? So you kind of have primary, secondary and tertiary, you know, mm-hmm. what are the numbers of those? Um, and, and, and that's a pretty straightforward element as you're adding more people, as you're adding breadth to what you're doing, that that's going to drive your configuration and implementation um, by the way, what tool are you using? One of the reasons that we like to use HubSpot is we can do some very powerful things. We can do a lot of custom things and they don't require us to get into code. Yeah. Right. If if we're doing something on a Salesforce, a Zoho, a Dynamics, something like that, then then your your cost for configuration is going to go up because even if you're doing oftentimes simpler things, you still need somebody that's got a more advanced um, cap- capability to that. And, and so that's really, you know, again, the, the, the configuration and build that's getting it set up correctly. Now, right. how it gets configured and built, are you building a Rube Goldberg machine or is there, you know, a clear theme? Um, is there a consistency to, to what's being built? That's going to be crucial to what your day two experience is going to be and to how easy or how simple you're going to be able to do your relaunches, your tests and things like that. Yep. Yep. All right, so the next the next area is my favorite, which is migration. Well, half of it is your favorite. Half half of it, fair data right. migration. <laughs> um, and so so I'm going to talk about asset migration first because asset migration yep. really is is more involved when you're when you're uh, migrating a marketing automation platform. Um, yep. But there are still assets. What types of documents? What type of libraries? Um, what type of collaterals are being managed in the tools? So, and again, that gets into a breadth element. And then you need to understand what are your, you know, what what underlying automations might exist. What is the underlying flow that kind of gets a little bit back into configuration and build. Um, but again, the 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 breadth, the depth, how much is pre-built, how much has to be rebuilt, that's going to drive your your um, your asset migration um, costs. From a data migration standpoint, um, that's that's getting all the all the key data, right? And 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 there's different types of data. There's there's entity data, which is your yep. typical database structure. There's activity data, um, historical emails, calls, tasks, like all you know all those things. Entity data, all things being equal, entity data is a simpler, more direct mapping, if you will. Activity data gets more complicated, yep. you know, adds a level of complexity. So, so they're not the same. And people that break it down to be the same, you know, and, and by the you know, HubSpot just um, launched the ability to import activities, which is which is great. Which is yeah, but it's also not. It's still not the same if you're trying to keep the the same. You know, if you're coming off of a tool and you want to keep that same experience there there's yep you know it is a level of complexity that needs to be accounted for and and so what you need to look at here is how much data how many records how many objects yep you got something to say i was going to say also how many fields i was going to go there I, i'm i'm going to say that that's a secondary element though i don't, I don't agree with that <laughs> an incremental record mm-hmm. has more impact than an incremental field okay okay I see what you're saying. Okay. And, and, and to some degree, when we talk about the fields, I'm going to get into like, that's where I get into structure. What is the structure of the data? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, 
if your data is all over the place and, and, you know, I mean, we, we, we've seen contact data that belongs in company deal data that belongs in this, right. The, those are the places where fields becomes a major. Element. Yeah. And that, again, it's, that's it's more of that structure. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's what I'm thinking about. Yep. Yep. And, and and so what this really gets at, too, is what are you migrating from? What are you migrating to? If you're migrating to a HubSpot, a Salesforce, and you're coming off of a a pipe drive, a Monday, uh, a lasso, a, um, you know, et cetera, you, you, you've got an issue where you're coming, you're, you're, you're dealing with a tool that is not truly multi-object. And, and, yep. and in some cases, it's just like, are you coming off of a SQL and... That, that doesn't map up head to head, right? So, yep. so system design and business process design is, is going to be the number one driver of success or failure. The next one, and it's not very far behind is as your data architecture and structure goes, so goes your CRM experience, right? So goes your, your CRM capability, right? And, and so, yep. and I will share this, getting the, the architecture and structure right is more important than getting the data clean i i 100 agree with that right and, and, and so it's the part where, where i see where people, people get hung struggle up. yeah well they're they obsess about the the, the data accuracy and ignore yeah. the architecture and structure by the way as we've talked about and we've done episodes on this my recommendation unless it is a material element that can be clearly cordoned off clean post-migration, not pre-migration. Yep. Um, but if if your data is in alignment, that's going to bring the cost down. If your data is not in alignment, then basically what you're doing is you're adding more to the system design and business process design. Yep. And, and you're making the actual act of migration. It's kind of like, are you a high-risk patient or a low-risk patient? When you go in for surgery, it comes down to the question mm-hmm. of, does the anesthesiologist actually have to stay in the surgery room for the operation or can they just get it started? Right. Um, right. <laughs> also like how many, like, how many sources are we pulling from? How clear is the hierarchy? Are we pulling from, are we coming where, Hey, our salespeople have stuff all over the place and we have to bring that together. So, yep. so you're also looking at sources of data, how many yep. sources of data, what's the clarity around the hierarchy. Those are all things that are going to drive and determine what your data migration cost is going to be. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I was going to say, like, don't don't go cheap on data migration. But the, the problem is, I'm. You know, here's the funny thing: don't go cheap on on, on data migration. Don't go cheap on um, system design and business process design. Yeah. Now, honestly, don't go cheap anywhere. But mm-hmm. but if you're going to go cheap somewhere, you know where you go cheap? Configuration, configuration, and build. And build. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you can and, iterate. You, know, you can iterate on that. You can iterate on that. You don't. Like that, that's, that's you know a much what? easier you know place to that? add to. What? You know what's unfair about that? That's actually not an honest, it's not, that's not a genuinely honest statement. Um, and, and, and the reason is that if you're working with a provider that's got the capability to do the system design and business process design correctly, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not going to go cheap on the configuration and build a, that goes against their beliefs and B, they don't have to. Yeah. Right? They've got, right. But but here's the thing, and I, you know, speaking for ourselves, I, I think if you look at what our, okay, so I'm going to let people know. I don't know if I should say this. Um, we won't know. If I shouldn't say this, we won't know. Because if I shouldn't say this, we'll edit it out. I'm just kidding. When I'm not a fan for a bunch of reasons from a sales strategy standpoint, I'm not a fan of breaking down individual costs when we're, you know, when we, when, when we put something forth, we say, here's what it is. Um, we right. stick to it. We don't do change orders, et cetera. But when I represent the costs, if, if I am in a situation where they really need that, it's just what they need. Right. I, I will admit that I actually over allocate the cost to configuration and build taking from system design and business process design, because unfortunately people see that and they go, oh, okay. Yeah. It takes hours of, and okay. Whereas right. system design business process, what's that? Which I agree. Like that's a harder thing to get your head around, which is why it's actually more valuable. Right. Right. And and so the reality is if you took a look at our configuration and build cost, I mean, frankly, I think I think we undervalue it. I think, you know, if I think of it, 
you know, when I put my business finance hat on, I'm like, Hey, we should be uh, right. But, but we can implement it with, with less pain, if you will. So, so anyway, so, so that, um, but, but your, 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 your data structure and understanding that migration, um, because again, what, what happens, and this is why all you need is, is the four most dangerous words. And, and this is why, by the way, there is going to be a port, part four, at least, because there's a whole nother section that we're going to add, which is how long should an implementation take? Um, and everybody's like, why can't I have this in, in four or five weeks? And it's like, well, you can't have it in four or five weeks because your data architecture is totally screwed up. And if we start bringing it in without a clear data architecture, then we're going to be working from behind the eight ball constantly and Oh, can't wait to talk about this. Right. And, right. And, and so it, you know, I, I get it, you know, uh, you know, yeah. I want to move into my brand new house that's being built the next day. But if they came and they said, guess what? We just built your house in a day. I might not actually be comfortable moving in. Right. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk. So, so, you know, that the migration element is more about the mapping and, and it, and it's not as simple as just, Oh, this field to this field. Because you have to understand what's the plot behind it. What's the business process yeah. behind it? Well, um, so it's interesting that you bring that up. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds here. But when we do when we do a mapping exercise, the most common question that we ask is, how is this used? What is this for when we go into the, the field? Because we, because, mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes we'll get that, well, we need it, but we don't need to. And it's like, no, you need to explain to me what that's for. So we know when we're mapping and building things out that we're doing it the right way. All right. So, um, onboarding and training, which you said, which you said are two different things. And I'm, and I'm curious, I'm curious how those are different. So, so, so onboarding is, is the element of getting each user set up correctly. Um, so that the okay. tool is user ready. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. So onboarding is this thing that I mean, it's, it's a little bit configuration build. It's a little bit training and it's a little bit this, this other thing. So, I mean, I guess in fairness, we should probably call it configuration build and onboarding as I'm, you know, as we're talking about it out, out loud, but you know, in, in, in smaller implementations in in simpler implementations, it does become more onboarding. Um, but, but I, but I would say, you know, it's the elements of getting user ready. So there's the configuration, but then there's mm -hmm. the, okay, well, what is this user's phone number? How is this user's email? What, what's, yeah. what you need permissioning, you know, matching that. And that just comes down into like, how much are you going to pay there? That's going to be, you know, what's the level of complexity, how many different roles, how many different uses are there? Uh, you know, onboarding would also be, um, okay, this person's view should be structured like this, this other, yeah. or this role's view should be structured like this, this other role should be structured like that. So, so it's really just getting yeah. the tool to be fully user ready. Um, and 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 providing the base level of knowledge so that the user understands what is available to them. Yep. And then as far as training goes, so what's entailed So what's going to drive your training? What's going to drive your training is as much as anything, what type of training do you want to do? You know, there's the standard demo training. Um, and what I say the standard demo training is I believe that far too much training just looks like a demo. Here's how you do this. And here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. Um, and, and, you know, that can work. And by the way, what my, my, my suggestion there is if you're going to do that, you should kind of treat it like, um, I don't know, general business 101 or humanities 101 at college, you know, 300 people in a classroom. You know, it should be probably not 300 people in this case. I was exaggerating. I saw your face, Jess. But, you know, you know, very broad, very big, very, very, very big training. Um, yeah. And, and you're basically going through, you know, and that's going to be very base level. It's not, it's not going to, I mean, frankly, if you're going to go that route, I would actually do video based training, but yeah, I was going to, I was going to say know, in that, in that instance, uh, video is better, you know, different strokes. Um, as you begin to roll it out. So, so I prefer, you know, especially if we're doing something a little bit more complicated, I prefer to do training groups. Um, I'd like to keep the training groups to 20 or less. Yep. Right. Um, understand when you're doing training, you're paying more for the training session more than just the training session. There's, there's a whole aspect of, of what is the design of the training that's going in. Um, how much of the training do you want to have be upfront? How much do you want to be sustainable so that it supports going down? Um, now this is what everyone gets wrong. Everyone gets this wrong. 
everyone. So do you want, do you want direct training? Mm-hmm. The implementer trains the users. Mm-hmm. Do you want train the trainer? Yep. Now, what I'm saying about train the trainer that everyone gets wrong is a lot of people say, look, look, we just want you to train some of our key people and then they'll train everybody else. And why do they say that? They say that because they think, well, that's going to be a lot simpler. Right. Right. And, and so it's going to be less expensive. And yeah, it's going to be cheaper. Yep. It's going to be cheaper. Right. Yep. And it's not going to work. Right. Train the trainer is actually more expensive than straight training. Because what you're doing is you're building a training capacity in there. Right. If, if you want to train, if you want to do train the trainer because you want to be easy pass through and we've got this, then go with video based training. So that yeah. those and, and the way the new team gets trained, we just bring in. Um, but train the trainer requires that the trainers understand the underlying system design, the underlying theory behind it, the whys, the where, the how to's, wherefores. Um, it's more than just saying, OK, here's the steps that you go through. Because that's what kills CRM. You know, that, that, that's our image of the sidewalk versus cutting through the grass, right? No yeah. two instances are ever exactly the same. So you need to be able to account. Like it's, it's standardized, but yeah. the, the situation is always slightly different. So if you don't have that full understanding and you don't understand the elements of training, then mm-hmm. the training experience isn't going to be effective. And yeah, you'll save a couple bucks here, but um, um, you'll, you'll fail to get. Yep. So, so what I'm hearing you is from you is it's not it's not that that's not a cost that you pay. That's a cost uh, on the person like your your person internally that you're having do the training, and then it's a cost on the on the users who are going through the training because that that experience won't be as good as if you had you know a trainer who who understood all those things running it. Yeah, it the you know, like so like the hidden cost there is that the tool's not going to work like like it's and 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 you're not going to be able to iterate well. It's going to fall off. Yep. Um again, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm I, I actually think that train the trainer is the preferred method. Like I would prefer to do train the trainer. But the reason you do train the trainer is not because you're hey, that's the simpler quicker, less expensive way to do it. It's because you mm-hmm. want to do it in the full, more robust way. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and then so the last this all together. Oh, sorry. Oh, go on. Oh, in a, so no, integrations. Integrations. Yep. So, so, so integrations, I'm, I'm going to kind of put that to the side and maybe we do an episode on, on that. Okay. Uh, that gets into what's getting integrated. What's the underlying structure? What's the business use behind it? Um, in, in your CRM, like what, what I'm going to share with you um, in, in, in just a moment, this is, the, this is the thing everybody has been waiting for. Um, I'm going to get, it, it's really outside of custom integration. Custom integration would be additional. The, the best way to think about going into something, what to expect for CRM implementation is if you consider what your first year license fee for the tool is you're going to pay somewhere between 50 and 200% of your first year software cost. Now, if you're simpler and larger, so so if I'm a if I'm a $400,000 uh implementation, I'm I'm more likely going to like that's actually going to bring me down to the lower end just because, you know, it you know, there 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 there's a larger base number. Um now, if there's, you know, if you're $400,000 for the software and there's a whole lot of complication, yeah, you might, it could very easily get to the 100%, even 125%. If, if you're down towards the forty dollars or $50,000 for the software, I think that you'll, um, you'll see, you, you could very easily get up to the 150 to 200%. Because again, what you're setting up, I mean, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, the, you know, going from 25 people to 250 people is not multiple levels of, of more complicated on just the people side. So that's where that amortizes, but, but going into it, generally speaking, as a, as a rule of thumb, what you should expect is somewhere in the 50% to 200%. 
And, and and if you want to be a little bit more prudent, 50 to 150%. I think getting above 150 really needs to, you know, those are more outlier. But mm-hmm. you're, you know, you should expect to spend 50 to 150% of of that um first year. And and by the way, think about it. That makes sense cuz you're going to you're going to use it for 5 to 10 years. Right. You're you're building something that needs to last for 5 to 10 years. All right, cool. I got a couple of key takeaways that the use it target, the target to use it for five to seven years was, was one of them. Um, the theme of this podcast, the business process must drive the technology. So making sure that you've got a good business uh, process design and system design in place. And if you have that, that makes this much easier to manage post launch. And, and the other thing is on the areas of cost. And I think this is something that gets missed when people are looking at CRM implementations, actually breaking down, what is involved in those? So things like how many users do you have? How many entities in the data migration? How much, how much, how many, um, the amount of data we're migrating those pieces, like kind of looking at that when you're thinking about the cost and how complex are each of these components, not just the overall implementation. So those are my main takeaways. There you go. We're at time. We are. We got one more episode before you're Disney, before you're in the land of Disney. We, we do. I have one RevOps show between me and Disney. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps show. My biggest takeaway from this episode comes from the bold statement that Doug made. Your experience with a new CRM will only be as good as the underlying system design and business processes that drives the implementation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about CRM implementations, what they should cost, or anything else RevOps related, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at DemandCreator. And don't forget, part four is coming soon, so stay tuned. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.